As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, as the Lions are now... Well, we'll call it one game away from a winning streak, uh, as I believe the great Lou Brown uh, told us. Two games is just like, what do they call it? Back-to-back wins, Colton. Three games would be a winning streak. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Golden Pouncey, <laughs> who's back from Chicago after an unexpected, but also probably not shocking, Lions win 31-30. Uh, a lot to unpack with this one, Colton. But first of all, how are you doing? Doing good, yeah. Back back home in, De- in Detroit now. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a good trip back home in Chicago, though, for a little bit there. Um, was that really? I don't know if I like expected a win, but it also wasn't like a game that they like were gonna get blown out. By. No, like, yeah. Like the question was, can they stop Justin Fields? Didn't exactly do that, and they still found a way to win. I <laughs> right. think there's some positive signs out of that. Um, so yeah, good win for the Lions, two in a row here, and. They're looking to keep it rolling. A lot going on in that game, and I think the main thing, the biggest like three thirty thousand foot takeaway, is I believe this is the first game in was it ninety eight tries or something like this since nineteen ninety three. I think is the stat. Uh, first game since 1993 where the Lions entered the fourth quarter down 14 points and won, which is yep. just ridiculous. 1993, okay, I was uh, nine or something like this at that at that point. I was, I was not. You were not, I was born. not born yet, um, right? And so that's the kind of like I think for the roster to to see a win like that. Those are games the Lions lose all the time. We've seen the Lions lose that game in every era. Uh, of my lifetime, frankly, against all calibers of teams, good, bad, crap, average, whatever, any circumstance, home, away, doesn't matter. Like, you know, oftentimes we see, you know, the, the Lions get into a game where it's like one of those back and you need a break. And we'll talk about that. They got a break. But yeah. s- sometimes we see them get a break and they still can't take advantage of it. I just that's a game that we've seen them lose so many times. And, you know, I can't help but think, Colton, that the, 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 the standard takeaway here is that, hey, man, this is finally one where the, the effort that they put in every single day and every week, this is where it paid off. I think and this is one where they just didn't quit. They just kept playing, and that's why they won the game more than anything else, I think, um, which is a big deal, I think, right now for them. Yeah, absolutely. I will say during that game, uh, somewhere in the third quarter, I was close to firing off one of those tweets where, hey, if you got anything better to do on the Sunday, yeah, maybe should. Maybe it's time yeah. to start. Maybe mow the lawn or you yeah. know, get outside, get some fresh air. I yeah, winter's coming. That, but right. I will say I, I hesitate on that because I'm just like, you know, they're only down 14. If they can get a touchdown here, they're right back in all of a sudden. Right. And that's what happened. You know, DeAndre Swift uh, had the nine yard run. Uh, mm-hmm. To make it a, a seven-point game, the offensive line blocked really well up there. He didn't really get touched on that play um, in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a ball game there. And what I thought was interesting is you talk to the defensive players, and they're on the sideline saying, like that that very next possession, we need to play, we need to stop. Yeah, like, someone needs to step up. We need a turnover. Um, someone's got to be the guy. I think it was Aaron Glenn talking to his guys. Like someone needs to be the guy to you know get us back in this game. Mm-hmm. And then they had that play where. And I thought that was that was a team play. That was a, a team effort there. Absolutely. You had some internal pressure by Bugs and those dudes. You had Aiden Hudsonson kind of dropping he back. Took and off the cutoff. Once he recognized yep. 
the, the tight end screen that forced Fields to hesitate a little bit mm-hmm. through high and late, and Jeff Okuda was right hmm. there for the pick six to tie the game at 24. So, I mean, honestly, like I wasn't expecting it, but it also wasn't one of those games where it felt like it could really tail off there. Exactly. Um, and the fact they kept fighting, they were locked in on the on the sideline, even when they were down 14, even when it was 24-10. You know, they were still like, look, it all, all it takes is a couple plays and we're right back in this. And I think that's what Dan Campbell's been preaching this whole stretch. It only takes a couple plays. If you get a couple of plays, you can win some games. You win one game here, it can lead to two, it can lead to three. Mm-hmm. Like everything he's been saying for the past few weeks where some of us were skeptical about that, it's yeah. kind of coming into fruition. These guys are believing everywhere that he's saying. And that's the thing. Even during that losing stretch, like they weren't really like tuning out the coaches yet. And I right. Think you're kind of seeing, you know, once they got some guys back, they're a little healthier. They got some pieces in place, and they can they can pull off some wins like this. Yeah, exactly. Like this, exactly. That's right. And last week too, where it was like, uh, you know, yep. the talent. I think it was as much about convincing these guys that reality in the NFL is that parity exists, and the talent difference. While you know, while in some cases it is great, in most cases it's just not. It's it's a it's pretty close. And I think you know the the Lions' message to this roster was, look, we're <laughs> We're under, underhanded, shorthanded, whatever you would want to call it, compared to what maybe a loaded team would be. But we're we're bad. We're not this bad, right? You guys yeah. can compete in this league with most of these rosters. I think that was like really what they were worried about uh, that they were losing a little bit of. Where it was last year, um, the the talent level was horrible, and those guys <laughs> really didn't have any issue uh, worrying about whether or not they could hang. They had no problem with that. Like confidence. Shockingly, was was okay last year when it had no reason to be. I thought this year you could start to see maybe some of it dip, and the fact that they were able to grind through two games like that, and then especially this week, or you know, it's the Bears, you know, against a team that frankly isn't that good. You know, the Bears are in a very similar situation of the Lions right now. They had Fields, who's an electric playmaker at quarterback, but I mean, look at how they play. That's that's it. <laughs> They don't have anything else. So, like, that's a game where if you just, like Campbell said it, I think he said it after, um, it was two weeks ago, if you just stay in the fight long enough in the NFL and really, honest to God, stay in the fight and don't quit, this thing is going to come down to the last six minutes or whatever, and we're going to see. And that's what he's been, I think, begging them to understand. Aaron Glenn, too, right? The defense especially, like, and I think that you noted it, the that pick, the pick six, it was everybody. It wasn't just one guy doing something or it wasn't just one mistake. It wasn't Fields yep. losing his mind. I mean, it was a bad throw, but, you know, you could see why he made the mistake, right? The Lions forced him into yep. it. And for them to all, we talked about that two weeks ago, for them to all see this happen like this, this was a big deal. To come into, to, to have a comeback win, it might not feel like a big deal to some of the younger guys who've been part of that before. But if you see a lot of those go the other way, they start to stack in your brain, and it's like that's where the SOL crap becomes a yeah. thing. And it's like that that shook out some of the crap we talk about, where it's like, hey, get all the junk out. That was a little bit of that, I thought, on Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, it was important for them to get a few wins here because yeah. morale was kind of low. like they had a they had a the defensive guys had a meeting after Aubrey yep. Pleasant was fired, and we're like, look, guys, some of this is on us. Like we can't keep operating the way that we've been playing. Like, we're better than this. We we think we're better than this, so it's time to go out and prove it. And mm-hmm. um, just to have some of these wins for a young team, I think that's important. I talked to Deshaun Elliott in the locker room yesterday and specifically asked him about Jeff Akuda and oh. kind of the joy and passion that he's playing with right now. And you could tell that he's just, like, appreciating every moment out there on the field. And a lot of these young guys are, too. And, and one thing Deshaun said was, look, I've known Jeff since, like, you know, they were both from Texas, both from the Dallas area. We trained together. And he's just like, Jeff's, Jeff's a winner, man. Like, Jeff he won is. in high school. He went to Ohio State. He won there. Never so lost. So he's not there. used yeah, to losing. Right. He doesn't like to lose. And so I think when you see him, you know, fist bumping after every play that he makes or like, you mm-hmm. know, jumping off the field, like back to the tunnel, like that's, it's not forced. That's not like, you know, Mm-mm. he's trying to, not trying to show anyone up. That's just the passion that he plays with because he loves to win. And when you can yep. get a few of those, it starts to rub off in the locker room. Uh, Ali McNeil said that he's, you know, kind of following after Jeff's footsteps a little bit there. Um, you see, I talked to Tracy Walker in the locker room yesterday, and he's like, that's that's exactly what we need. A young guy like that stepping up, um, kind of leading the charge for the young guys. Like, they need a guy like that, especially with, with him out. And so you can tell it's rubbing off on this team. Like, it, it might not seem, you know, big in the grand scheme of things. And I know there are people that are going to be like, well, these wins are, 
you know, not important. You know, all they're doing is hurting their right. draft stock. But at the same time, like you have some young pieces on this uh-huh. team that need yep. to learn how to win. And that's yep. important. I know we we love to talk about the draft. I get it. But at the same time, I think we sometimes overlook, you know, the effect of winning in a locker room, especially for a young roster like that. And these guys are having fun and they're enjoying it and they're going to try to keep it rolling, like I said. And it's like the effect of cha- of seeing a change in your mindset and seeing it work. And I think for Okuda, like, I'm glad you brought him up because he's the he's probably the topic of the year at this point almost to a degree. I mean, Aiden's played really well for them uh, as a rookie and they have to feel good about that. But Jeff now, they challenged him obviously in the summer, right? They had high hopes for him, all this. And we've talked a lot about, you know, what do you do with him long term? But whatever the answer with all that is – it is trending toward that he is going to be a guy who you can count on. And I think that that was really all that they were looking for from him. And I tweeted um, the clip of uh, his PBU on the in the Green Bay game on the two-point conversion. That ended up being a huge deal after he got beat on the touchdown. Uh, that was I tweeted that before this game. And that, to me, was like one of the biggest, okay, he has changed a lot. And this is the Jeff Okuda that we saw at Ohio State. Or this is closer to that version. Because... Gets beat on a touchdown. Good coverage against Lazard there in the back of the end zone, right? Um, doesn't hang his head. Gets right back up. Goes makes a play immediately, right? And gets up, does a celebrate, and goes off the field. And it's just been his ability to deposit the bad and move on to the good has been a huge deal for him because it was, and you mentioned that, the winner in high school. I talked to people that um, were in his, you know, his high school coaches and people that were around him in high school and, you know, back when the Lions drafted him, when I pressed people on, like, I want your honest, non-filtered answer on Jeff Okuda here, okay? What's going to be a challenge for him? And the real answer was, he's going to have a real problem probably early with, because he's going to get beat. And it, well, how's he going to respond? He's never been beat before. <laughs> and, I, and that was the thing that was hammered home. High school, I don't think he lost a game. I think uh, they won everything. Uh, Ohio State, I'm not sure that they lost until, like, the, the end, right? So... This was truly a guy who had never really experienced this. And uh, yeah, changing your mindset like they did last season, I think that seeing Aubrey Pleasant get fired, as uncomfortable as that probably was, has to. You, we have to look at that now and say that it had some effect in the positive because it forced some guys to take more ownership. And now you look at Jeff Okuda as a guy that you invested in Highly, it wasn't your guy, but you know it is now, and a guy that you can look at long term down the road. That's a huge deal because you said it. They don't have a lot of guys like that. He is absolutely one of those guys now. And we didn't know that going into no. the year. We really didn't. That was you a big know, mystery. Off the Achilles, yeah. like he was trying to fight those, the you know, the bus label that people were putting on him after yep. he missed his whole <laughs> second season. Like it, that's tough. And for a guy who, you know, self admittedly is like a mental guy, he thinks about everything. He mm-hmm. overthinks at times. Like he had to wonder oh, yeah. how. All of that was affecting him, especially during the rehab process. And for him to come out and play the way he, he did, he's done this season, like it hasn't always been perfect, but you don't expect it to be. And I think even Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn will say that. Like they were saying all back in, in training camp, like it's just about banking these reps, getting him on the field, like just yeah. going out there on Sundays and seeing what we can get from him. And I think that they've probably gotten more than maybe most oh, of yeah. us assumed. And just the fact that he's out here and he's performing, he's contributing and that's what he was doing at Ohio State. That's what he was doing uh-huh. in high school. Just being a guy that, you know, this coaching staff, like the, a guy that, that was always relied upon, right? Exactly. Getting back to high school in, in Ohio State. And now he's back in that position where he's really an indispensable piece of this defense and a, and a building block going forward, I think. so. I agree. Yeah, for Jeff Akuda, I think he's sort of the, the the face of, you know, what these wins are doing for the, this young team. And I think he's sort of at the forefront of that. All. And it's like, it's such a great teaching example for all these guys, because Jeff was the type of guy that coming out of college wanted to run before he could walk. Right. That's what he wanted to do. He, I remember at the combine, he Trace, was talking, Tracy said that. <laughs> yeah. At yeah, the combine, he was that. talking to us about how he knew all these coverages and he knew all these checks and he'd done all of his work and studies and all this stuff. And you're like, okay, that's great. And then you saw he got to the league and it was like, oh shit, like everything. But he didn't want to yeah. show it. He doesn't want to, you know, and yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of humble, you know, you had to get yourself right. You had to look yourself in the mirror. And now you see a guy who's still all business, who's serious about everything. He's he's overcome that little hurdle. And now I think we can see, okay, well, now you've settled in a little bit. And as we go forward here, there's still some issues that he has to work on. But like you said, 
Um, there's a lot more that they could do with Jeff Okuda, and I'm not sure we've even come close to seeing the the tip on just how much he could impact other guys too. Um, you know, with his yeah. effort, with his I don't quit, you don't quit. If we're still standing out here, you know, Hutchinson plays like that. We've seen that. Jeff plays like that. We've seen that. Malcolm plays like that. Pretty good. Slowly yeah. but surely, Colton. Somebody tweeted that. Slowly but surely, someone was like, and maybe on accident, the Lions are developing a, a young core. It's not on accident, but there are some nice pieces here, right? I don't want to, like, make mm-hmm. anybody get nervous, but there's some nice pieces that people can be a little bit, okay, hey, maybe we can rely on that guy on defense especially. And then the right pieces with their mm-hmm. mentalities, like they're going to work hard. They're going to ex- demand – more from every guy in that locker room. They're going to feed off each other, and that's what you want, especially from a young core. So, yeah, I agree. So the negative in this game, I suppose, if there were, you know, Fields, um, they had trouble with him. (laughs) But, I mean, I think that that's one of those things that's just (laughs) going to happen. You know, in general, you know, you give up some busts in this game. Uh, They got beat on the ground in this game with him. Some poor tackling, obviously. Kirby Joseph did not have his best day. But, you know... Against another team, they probably lose this game because you can't give up big plays like that. The Bears aren't very good. Uh, I think the Lions are better than them. And I think that yeah. they, again, like I said it before, they needed to show themselves that they were better. They could beat this team. That, that's no – this isn't something that needed to be – I saw people that were very excited about the Bears after you know Fields played two weeks ago, and rightly so, but it was still like <laughs> they, they don't have anything. There's nothing here, man. He's that, like, whole, he's that whole offense, that whole team, yeah. really. <laughs> So if you don't make busts and you tackle, you should be okay in this game, right? And they get the break with the pick, right? Obviously, and then you know Swift scores. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think the pick. Did you? What'd you think? Of, <coughs> what'd you think of the call there on the? Uh, what was it like uh, a hands uh, to the face? Hands that to actually the face, like the that, neck, neck or shoulder that KO'd <laughs> Trinity Benson. Apparently, like he yeah. was. I don't think he came back. Oh, did yeah, he? That was tough. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So like whatever it was, it was bad. Um, but I still thought it was uh, if he called, and then obviously they took the pick away, but. Whatever. I don't know. It's it's funny because when the Lions get get calls their way, I exactly. see that and say, well, well, we deserve that yeah. after everything we go through, which there's some truth to that. Fair enough. You know, it evens out over time. But, but yeah, um, I, yeah. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, yeah, to, for them to kind of rally the way they did and, you know, come back when none of us really expected them to, like, I think that's another positive step in the right direction. Another yeah. good step under Dan Campbell. You know, he gets his first road win. I'm sure he was tired of us talking about that. Every single week. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and then right. knocking out some milestones there. So, I mean, there were some – yeah, I mean, they, they have some things to clean up because Fields is – man, he's so dynamic. And we knew that was going to be an issue with, like, his mobility and the things – like, he had 40 rushing yards on, like, right. the first, like, drive or something like that. I, yeah, I think uh, that so, there's still – and it's, it's something there, though, because it's like the Lions still are such a young team that it's like you have to – you can't – like, when Kirby Joseph came up and made that whiff – yeah. You can't do that against him, right? Like, that's a yeah. lesson that has to be learned because against some guys, you probably can, right? Against some guys on some teams, you probably can get away with that. Against him, no. Yeah. And I think that that's a lesson that's – sorry, go ahead. I just said, yeah, you have to be disciplined when you're facing a guy like that. Yes. Yeah. And because I think that, and that's a lesson that they, they have to learn because if you almost lost that game on the back of, like, three plays. You know, he busts yeah. twice on the ground and he hit the big one – in the coverage post over the top. And I think that that's the thing where it's like, if you take everything else away, and that's probably what they're showing them this week. If you take everything else away from that, guys, we win that game like 31 to 7 or something. Or we control it. Because you saw what happened once, you know, the thing goes back their way, they get back to a one-score game, then the pick six. Now it's now they're just going to go to the ground, the Bears can't do anything with it, and that's how they won the game. They just iced the thing out on the ground because they know, even offensively, this was not their best day. It was nice to see St. Brown back, but I mean, like, they won the game because they put the ball on the ground and then just iced it out, which is how they're going to win games. I mean, like, that's that's the blueprint right now, which has been cool to see them finish it for the last two weeks, which is rare <laughs> around yeah. here, I guess. You, you brought up a good point, uh, just like the Lions need to prove to themselves. Like, yeah. they, they can tell us all they want. We're better than these, than our record would suggest. Like, we, are, we should have won some of these games, but you didn't. You lost right. them. You did so. Yes, if you think exactly. you're a better team, then go back out there and, and win some. And they've done that the last two weeks. They've got an interesting one this week in New York against a Giants team that is right. probably overachieving. Um, yes, <laughs> probably not definitely as good as overachieving. Would suggest yes. that they're probably the opposite of the Lions, where yeah. the Lions think that they're better than three and six and, and one and six a couple weeks ago. 
Giants are probably worse than seven and two. But um, I mean, that's another big test on the road against a team that has a winning record. That would sort of be a statement game if the Lions were to get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just about kind of you know stacking up these moments, stacking up wins like that. Like that's gonna do a lot for morale in the locker room and and just this young team getting them back on track and head on the right direction. This was also before we move on and talk about next week. This was also probably. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's best game, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of impact, probably overall. Uh, I think he had eight tackles, and PFF had him with the four pressures. And you mentioned, um, did he get a sack? I think he did have a sack, right? He had a sack late, late in the game. Late in the game, a clutch sack. Yeah, that's right. He did have the sack late, and then he also helped out with the pick. Um, so when I look at him right now, too, and I look at the whole front, and you look at some of the guys getting healthy, and you look at this, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's. Coming along, it's encouraging. Like, I don't – there's still so many times where this defense gives up, like, what the hell are you doing? But, like, you can kind of – Jerry Jacobs has oh, made yeah. plays the last two weeks. You can kind of see it, though, right? Like, I don't think we've been crazy. And that's why it, they were right to be disappointed, I guess, um, to conclude maybe on the Aubrey Pleasant stuff. And it's like – it still sucks, I guess, that they lost what is going to be a really good coach. <laughs> I still don't understand totally. He's now with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, too. you know, yeah. I don't totally. But it's like – but you look at it now and it was just like they needed something because there's there is talent here, you know. And I think that that was – that's my biggest my, – been my biggest takeaway the last two weeks. There is workable long-term talent on this defense right now. Aiden Hutchinson, Jeff Okuda, Kirby Joseph, Malcolm, Derek Barnes, uh, Elaine McNeil, Jerry Jacobs, uh, you know, uh, both Okoras. These are nice players. These are guys that you can work with, you can use. It's not done. You know, like uh, I still think, and we're going to talk about the draft for, from here until God knows when, right, until it actually happens. I still think that, yeah. that that all needs to be addressed still early, defensive help and all this. But, like, you can see it. It's not barren anymore. It's not like – Oh my God! There's nobody here to even rally around. There's I just listed like seven or eight guys, and I'm probably yeah. shorting a few. And I, I that's been the encouraging thing the Pascal. last two weeks, Pascal. That it's not yeah. been guys are getting better. They're not getting worse. <laughs> and I think that you know when we look at it over the last couple of years here in Detroit, that's not always been the case. And I think that's encouraging. I'm just trying to think back to like August and when we're trying to look at this defense and evaluate it. It's like, yeah. What's right, going to happen here? You've got some here. rookies yeah. who may or may not do anything this year, and then you've got some veterans that a lot of question marks with some of these dudes. And yes, haven't really proved it yet in this league. And I think you're look. I guess the hope early was you were always looking to see where would we be by midseason, where we'd be the last five weeks of the year. Right. Would there be the progress? Would you see some of these guys integrating into this lineup, taking over some spots, growing along uh, with this team? And I think you're seeing some of that now. Just. Aiden, even if he's not racking up sacks, he's not going to be like a Joey Bosa right now. Yeah, he's not going to have 18 uh, sacks, but right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what people expect from him, but the fact that you're seeing him making, making plays, plays, like the yeah. Rod- like the Rodgers interception in, in the in the end zone, he dropped back mm-hmm. in coverage on that one, sort of did the same thing on that, that screen pass. It's a big deal. Fields interception. He read those plays, right? Mm-hmm. He had another goal line play where he kind of like – Oh, God, like that was his best play of the year. That was, yeah. that was awesome, Yeah, that man. was like I mean, a Trayvon Walker play, yeah. Because mm-hmm. – they yeah, scored in the next play, of, yeah, right. They gave the score. <laughs> but uh, even on that touchdown that Fields had, like, they were in position to make a tackle, but... You know, they have talent. The magic of Justin Fields. They do. So, and, yeah, I yeah. mean, they're they're in position on a lot of these things. They've got some young players that are actually contributing. Like, some of these mm-hmm. guys might be one of the best players on that defense, which is just... They all are, I think, you the know, young that, guys. That's, that's where they are. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where they are. And the fact that we can say that now, I think that's such a positive, you know, development. Um, yeah. And something that we couldn't say back in August. We just no. need to see them go out there and do it. And, you know, again, it's not perfect. Some of these guys might not, like, you know, develop in all pro types. But if they're well, serviceable NFL players that that you're seeing there don't contribute over the, over the course of the you know last eight weeks or so of the season, yeah. that's good. And then you can kind of pencil them in and work, work from there. So It's such a big I, deal when your young guys are, like, they know that they're wanted and they know that they have, like, a role. Like you're, like you're saying, like, it's such a big deal because all of them are on board. You're not going to have to worry about like, oh God, I'm not playing. Because those are the guys that you have to worry about that stuff with. Like the, uh, am I? does he hate me? Does my coach hate me? You know, all the nervous stuff. Those guys aren't going to have that because they're now involved and they're playing really well. Like, this is good. This is all really good stuff. You know, and it's like, you look at it now and you say for Aaron Glenn, as good of the work as they've done the last two weeks to kind of rally this thing and, and fix some holes, it doesn't mean much if you dip back the other way. So you have to go forward with it. 
and an interesting challenge ahead as we're going to take a break here, I think, in a second. Where are we at here on the old uh, time clock? Yeah, we'll take a break here, Colton, and come back and talk about suddenly an interesting uh, Lions-Giants game that I would bet no one in the world. Well, it's probably not that interesting, but still, no one in the world would have thought was even remotely interesting when the year started. So hold on, everybody. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, everybody, we're back. One of these years to preview little Lions Giants here. Uh, Colton, the New York Giants are uh, one of the stories of the league this year. I would say they were certainly one of the stories early in the season, and I guess probably still are. Uh, there was the big debate, like, was it 3-0 and or 4-0 and where they were, where it was like, are they the worst 4-0 and team in the history of the, <laughs> of the NFL or something like yeah. this? Uh, I don't know, man. This, is, this has been a... Wild ride for Brian Daybold and the bunch. Um, and the Lions are three and six, and they've got two division wins, and a win here would be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Where we, what are you thinking here? General thoughts before we unpack this one heading into this game. Um, general thoughts. I think Saquon might have as many rushing yards as Justin Fields did last <laughs> week. And, uh, but other than that, man, like, I don't know what to make of this Giants team. I yeah. like. I give them a lot of credit for for Dable coming in there with you basically didn't add a ton of talent around around that they didn't already have last year. Yep. A lot of the pieces is just pieces that were already there that he's working with and getting the most out of, which is what you want out of the head exactly. coach. But right. <laughs> at the same time, like they're winning a lot of these one score games and I'm looking at their schedule right now. The Titans they won by one. Uh the Panthers they beat by three. The Cowboys they lost to the Cowboys. Uh they beat the Bears by eight, beat the Packers mm-hmm. by five. It's like they're winning a lot of the one-score games. I don't know how sustainable that is. And, you know, well, credit to them for winning them. Like, yeah. good teams win those games. Like, I, I exactly. them for yeah. it. It's not, not sustainable. Right. It does feel like they're probably overachieving. And I don't think this is a game that the Lions are going to walk in there and be afraid of. You know, I think yeah. that this is a very winnable game. If the Lions are doing what they're doing, they're not beating themselves. That's one thing. The Giants do not beat themselves. Mm-hmm. Um they don't turn the ball over a ton. They're not going to make these self-inflicted mistakes. So that's that's a sign of a well-coached team. And but I also think if the Lions have some pieces back and you know they're playing to their strengths, like this can be a ball game. You know, it's interesting. They're absolutely overachieving. We can just say that right up the okay. shoot. I mean, no they're question, no question about it. Uh, which is a good thing, and because they're a young team, and they do have, like you mentioned too, they do have a. It's a better than you think roster, and I think that that was something that last year when they fired everybody, it was like, yeah, this they don't need. They're not good, but they're not this bad, right? It was the same thing. Yeah, Dayball yeah. Dave <laughs> is a very Brian Dayball is a very interesting guy. Like I remember when um, he got elevated to the OC job at Alabama. I want to say it was either before Tua or during Tua to, to his time at Alabama. I can't remember which. Either way, it was during a, this stretch where Saban had already got the thing really rolling. And at the time, I remember being like, well, all the coordinators at Bama, offensive coordinators anywhere, they're just running like a Rolls Royce. Like, I don't know what to make of them, if they're good or not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was always like, I don't know, because I think Dable left and then Gaddis took his job. So it was like kind of a difference there, right? And then Dable keeps climbing. So you're like, I don't know what to make of this guy. But then, you know, he works for Belichick. He works for Saban. He gets this job. And then right away, you see how they play. I watched their first couple games for, because we did a story in the first few weeks on like how the new play callers are doing or whatever. And I was like, well, this makes all the sense in the world because all they do is find every single possible way to like move the ball. He's Belichick plus Saban plus all the discipline of all that stuff. I mean, it works. And it's, I don't think he's an asshole. Like, I think that that's probably the difference, right? Like, I don't think he's a jerk. But it's that complimentary football. They don't kill themselves and they're never out of a game. And like, it's overachieving, but it's also like, it's a really interesting way to play. And it's because it's like, it's just smart football. And I think if you're the Lions, like, Man, this is the kind of stuff that you'd like because the the Giants right now are getting the best, like you said, Colton, they're getting the best out of all their young guys. And that's why they're playing good football because they have Saquon, they have a superstar. Andrew Thomas is a stud. 
They've got some yeah. guys that can play, but like all their young dudes that are like on the fringe there are really playing good football because they're seeing fundamental stuff that Dable surely is preaching because he's a good coach. They're seeing the fundamental stuff work in the moments that it has to work. Because you mentioned it, three points, eight points, five points, whatever. They make plays or they don't screw up in the moments of those whatever, which is why they won all their games in September, which is when the league is a mess. Everybody is crap in September with the mistakes. And they're still winning. And we'll see that they're probably not going to be a 13 or whatever win team. But I mean, like, they're in a good situation. I think if you're the Lions, you look at where they're at right now and you say, that's a team we could be. We could do that. Why can't we be like that? Why can't we be a team that just plays above our head a little bit and surprises people? It's an example, I think, uh, that you can use because it's possible in the NFL right now. Be be yeah. well coached. Listen to your coaches. And, hey, man, like you're going to win those sloppy games that we talk about all the time that the Lions always lose. The Giants are an interesting yeah. team. I mean, I'm fascinated by all of it, but it's an interesting game, too, like you said, because I don't think they'll be overwhelmed at all by it. Right. And looking at their schedule, it seems like they're, if, I, if my math is right here, 7-1 and one in games decided by yeah. 8 points or fewer, which is just insane that they're getting it done this way at this level. Uh, their one game that, that was outside of that it was a 27-13 loss to the Seahawks. Yeah. But other than that, they're winning these tight games, and that's kind of the opposite of what the Lions were doing like early in the season. Like the last couple of weeks, they've pulled some of these tight ones out, but... Early in the year, like they were mad at themselves. They were frustrated for, right. oh, we couldn't get it done against the Eagles. We lost by three. Uh, the Vikings game, we were leading for the majority of that game until the final minute, and things kind of fell apart from there. The Cowboys game, we have we have a chance to go up with a, with a touchdown. Uh, yeah. Fumble at the one-yard line, and it goes off the rails from there. Even the Seahawks, like we don't give up 48 points. Like we win that game because we scored 45. So mm-hmm. I think you look at the Lions as sort of the opposite of that and say, well, the Lions are competitive, but they haven't been able to pull through. And that's why I think these last couple of weeks, like what that's doing for them, like from a mental perspective, like right. just getting it done, being able to say that you're starting to do it, you're scratching the surface a little bit. That should give them confidence going into a matchup like this where you have a good team. It would be impressive if they win, but it's certainly not, you know, this unwinnable game. And just based on what the Giants have done this year, I think that's one that the Lions can go in there and say, hey, if we play our style of football too, we have mm-hmm. just as much chance to win this and pull yep. it out. Um, so that's it is a really interesting one and probably a good test for Dan Campbell. It's why it's a it's a really fascinating time that these two match up like this at this point in the year. The Lions have won some of these games because we people were so frustrated in the first six weeks um, with the Lions because of the record and everything else. But it was also like and it was fair because like we talked about last week, they were bad, but they're not this bad. Like they're improved. They need yeah. to play better. Like it can't be like this. It was hard to judge the progress. It's hard to judge how far because we knew they were making progress. Now I think we can see it a little more because people have a little bit more relaxed with the the pressure and everything. But this is a very interesting game because it's winnable, absolutely winnable. If you match up talent for talent, this is not an overwhelming opponent that's going to come in here. Saquon is a is a is awesome, <laughs> right? I mean, he's a great football player. Right. Everything else. But it's a winnable game, talent for talent. However, you will lose this game in embarrassing fashion if you come in there with the bullshit, jumping off sides, throwing, you know, turning the ball over, all this. Yes. You're gonna get yes. run off the you're gonna get run off the field because they don't do <laughs> yes. that. They, they don't. don't do that. So This is not this, the Bears. So you're not playing the Bears is, anymore. No. They're gonna have ten penalties and beat the <laughs> Right. This and and that's what I was gonna say. The Bears in this game. Even on drives where Fields is moving the ball down the field, they had a penalty in the red zone on the very first drive that ends up, right? Yeah. This team isn't going to do that, or you're not going to be able to count on that. So, like, I think this is a huge underrated progress test for, like, the entire operation. Not just any one person in particular, but, like, can you go play clean football for four quarters? Because if you can, they should be able to win this game. And, like, that includes the quarterback. That includes everybody. And, and the whole brigade, I should, I you know, so to speak. So this to me is, um, I don't want to call it like a turning point thing or whatever because the team is what it is. But like it's a very important, interesting test, I would say. I don't think that, I don't think we, enough people are maybe uh, looking at it like that. And I don't think we're overhyping it because it's, it's an interesting team to go up against because you're in similar situations. And look at where they're at and look at where you're at. Shouldn't be that different, right? Like, and I, I know that they're maybe, maybe they've gotten some luck that you haven't gotten this year, but you know how this works in the NFL. You earn a lot of that, right? You, you earn your way into those moments to where you can execute 
in the final six minutes. Everybody knows witching hour in the NFL is when these games are won. That's how it goes. It's an interesting test all the way. And like if you get run off the field in this game, <laughs> like that's not good because the talent isn't isn't something that you should be, you know, getting run off the field by. Look, we've been asked about the you know the Giants and the Jets. Why are they so good? Why are they Jets winning? Too. They don't have a yeah. lot of talent either. Like what they've got, they've got all these you know rookie head coaches, second year mm-hmm. head coaches. Like we're in the same spot. Why why are we one in six and they right. have these winning records? I we got a lot of that. And now look, they got a chance to go and beat one of those teams I, and play yeah. the Jets later in December. Uh, they got the Giants this week, and if you win that one, that's your your third game in a row. Um, yeah, beat a, I a agree. Team that was seven and two at the, in a playoff spot right now. Like that would say a lot about. The progress that would really put the progress at the spotlight. Like, yeah. it's, it's one thing for us to say, "Look, we see some improvement here," even though they're one and six. It carries more weight when you've got three wins in a row and you just beat a playoff team on the road. Like, that's it's it's pretty that it's I guess it's really that simple. Um, Absolutely, so we got a good chance here, and it's important to this is an important thing too. To that's why I wanted to have this conversation because not all rebuilds are built the same. And, you know, yeah. and it's fair to ask the fan question about why, the, you know, I see the Jets are taking off and having a great year and we could have had Robert Sala. Why didn't they hire Robert Sala? What the hell? I see the Giants are taking off and having a great year, all this. What the hell are they doing that the Lions aren't doing? And that's all, those are all fair questions to bring up, but not every rebuild is the same. The, you're, you're looking at these teams and it's fair to say, hey, they were drafted in similar spots that you were last year, which is true. But it's also like the Jets had more picks to work with. Uh, over the last couple of years, the inherit the situation that Robert Sala inherited with younger players and all this. Uh, the Giants have Saquon, okay, right there. I mean, and they were not as bad uh, as the Lions. I think that this is, like you said, Colton. This is a big opportunity for Dan Campbell, probably more than anybody else, to show in these next however many weeks, or maybe for to the end of the season here, to show and really illustrate. Like, look, we told you guys that this was a to-the-studs rebuild. Now we are now we have proof because we sucked in September, but we're getting steadily better every single, you know, we're climbing the mountain one step at a time, like, and we're competing against teams that we should be competing against. This is a team, a roster you should be competing against. The Jets are a roster you should be able to compete against, absolutely. So I look at games like this and I say, these are your kind of like your peers in a weird way. Everybody's your peer. But in a situation, these are your situational peers, Giants. They're seven and two. You're three and six. So there's a difference there, right? And I think that this is a game where if you're all these coaches, you can start testing your metal. There's been a lot of people that ask me, like, when is it fair to criticize Dan Campbell, and when can we not be so happy with Dan Campbell all the time? Which is always a weird question, right? It's like people I don't are know happy why. With him last I don't know. Month? I don't, yeah, but like when you know, because it's like why do you why do you not criticize him as much? I, I guess that's the question that I okay. get from people, and it's like because I've understood the situation that they've in, inherited. However, I think we're at a point, or we're approaching one now, where the team has started to play play well. They've started to believe a little bit, and you've had the adversity. You've climbed out of it. Now let's see if you can go coach, you know, clean football against coaches that we know are doing it with younger rosters. And if you're not, now I think we can start to see, right? Because And so this is a big stretch. This is important that you go play well and that you look prepared and that you don't look embarrassed like you did against Belichick. Because <laughs> like that's what you don't want to see in a game like this. And so as they go deeper into the schedule now and as the team continues to improve, you hope that that continues. But some of that lens probably does focus a little bit more on Dan because it's like you can't have those yeah. stupid mistakes anymore. That stuff can't happen. I was going to say, even when you know, you're know you trying to evaluate a team that's young and still rebuilding and doesn't have the talent that it needs to match up with the upper echelon of the league, mm-hmm. you can still at the very least coach a team to you know not make mistakes and limit mistakes and um, not beat itself, right? Yeah. Like the Bears are a young team, but you still see them kind of struggling and beating themselves sometimes, right? Yeah. The, um, the Giants are not doing that, and I think that's a you know testament to Brian Dable. But mm-hmm. the Lions, like you said, they kind of match up well with them. So if, if the Lions come out there and they're the ones making these mistakes still, and they're right. the ones shooting themselves in the foot, that's I think that's where the, the yeah. criticism for Dan Campbell is valid at that point. But they are getting healthier. Uh, Amara St. Brown looked probably as healthy oh. as he has since yeah. like you know the pre-injury days. That was great. Um, 
DJ Chark return to practice. He might he might need a little bit more time to get going, but that's a positive step. Maybe they get Josh Reynolds back. You're getting healthier. You got some pieces added. Now you can't really use those excuses that you, that no. you were kind of using during the last month when they were on those losing streaks. Yeah. Like, yeah, Swift was out, all this stuff. I get it. Swift is back now. You hope that, you know, the snap count continues to increase each week. And all of a sudden, like, if you're still losing games, and, and if they become blowouts, because they've always been competitive for the most part, if these yep. are becoming blowouts at this point, that's a step in, in, that's a yep. step backwards, in my opinion. So I agree. can't have that anymore. They've got some winnable games coming up. They'll play the Jaguars early next month. Um, they've got the, the you know the Jets in December, the Panthers. Those are games that they should win, um, or at least yeah. be competitive in those, and maybe pull out at the end. Like if they're going backwards in some of those games, I think that's probably a, a red flag. But he's going to have a chance to kind of change the narrative, right? You know, this next couple of weeks, next month, um, with the way the team's playing, and you hope that they continue in that you know positive upward trajectory because I think that would be yeah. you know a good time for Dan Campbell himself if he's able to get that team to play like that. One other thing I wanted to talk about this week, actually, and I said before we might not, not, but I changed my mind, is the draft. Because you you wrote about it uh, the other day. Um, yeah. And obviously I write about it all the time. Um, so the Lions situation now after this winning streak has dropped their <laughs> has dropped their actual pick. However, the Rams are three and six as well. Right? That's right. Three and six, three and seven, whatever the hell they oh, are. Yeah. So uh, I believe yeah. our projections, Austin Mock's projections, have the Lions still landing somewhere in the top ten, like seven or eight, which seems about fair to me. But he's oh, also got the Rams. He his projections had the Rams down there still in the twenties for a while, but that's been the last couple weeks. They've been up. Like it looks, they're not going to be in the twenties. <laughs> no, it looks yeah. more. It's looking more and more realistic that this could be. I don't know. I don't know if it would be necessarily like two top ten picks. But it definitely could be a top I ten. I think they're good in there. It I think could be. Good. Like here's, I, was I don't want to count my chickens here, but yeah, go ahead. So I I, I wrote my um, second half predictions last week, yeah. and I predicted the Rams pick would be in the top twelve because I think at that point last week they were number twelve exactly. Yep. And they're eleven the right they're now. They're looking seven right I mean, now. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're they're eight right now. Their eight? offensive line is yes, bad. a mess, and I think they just lost some guys. Um, Cooper Cup now is on IR. Oh, Stafford. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cup's on, he's out for at least four weeks. That. He just had surgery. Yep. Oh, boy. Uh, he might miss even more time. If, if they're still bad, like, well, I'll yeah, if he's a, back. Yeah, you're not. December. You're right. Like, That's a good point. Exactly. So, I don't know if he'll play again this year. Stafford has not looked great anyway, and not, it's not all his fault, but at the same time, like, now he's got the concussion. I think he's practicing this week, but now he just oh, lost man. That Receiver. is a good point. This like this is setting up for a bit of a free fall here, and they've got the Chiefs coming up in a couple weeks. Like they're oh, gonna lose oh, some oh. games, man. Like is this gonna be Les Snead's uh, return gift to Brad Holmes? Like the the Rams are gonna ring with my, with the quarterback, <laughs> and I get you a top ten pick, a top five, <laughs> top five draft pick. So yeah, I mean that that's a lot that I guess I hadn't thought about. Um, I knew that they were not playing well. But yeah, yeah you did. The cup yeah, cup injury is big. <laughs> that's why you, you I don't wanted want to, see to talk like about that it. Down, but no, I mean that's gonna fa- it's, it's gonna be a factor. So suddenly you're looking at a situation though where if you're Detroit, you know two top ten ish picks, it's a huge deal. Like that's a huge yeah. deal as we sit yeah. because now, and that's what you looked at. I think you you know it was what could you do in a situation like that? You could do an awful lot in a situation like that. Uh, and it yeah. doesn't have to include trading up for a quarterback. And I think that's the conversation that will continue to rage throughout the entire year. And it won't necessarily be about, do you want to take a quarterback? It will be, do you like Bryce Young? Or do you want to wait and see what happens the rest of the way? Because if you want to wait and see what happens the rest of the way, that feels like it might almost be the better option. Because if you can sit there at like six and get Brian Brise and get Ringo at, 10 or something. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we're on to something here. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's that's a totally different scenario. So, yeah, this opens up an awful lot. What what are you thinking here is this uh, what were you looking at? Yeah, I was looking cuz they I think they have 8 and 11 are their two picks right now. Rams at 8, yeah, eight and 11 pick at 11. Just, just as we all predicted. Yeah, of um, course, right. <laughs> so, uh we have our consensus big board that dropped. Yeah. Um so it just takes a bunch of you know rankings and kind of puts them into one. Mm-hmm. And I was look, I was using that to kind of determine maybe which players might be around at those picks, 8 and 11 right now, and also their second rounder, which is currently, I think, number 42 overall. Yeah, right. So in the first round, like some of those guys, like Keely Ringo, uh, Brise, 
Miles Murphy at Clemson. A lot of these Clemson dudes are going to be there. Yep. Um, Simpson, probably. Sim- yeah, Trenton Simpson I put in there, which I think, man, he's, he's – He'd be really good. He's an intriguing dude, man. Like just like his versatility, his athleticism, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I, I like. I think you mentioned this. Like, what's his best position in the NFL? Is he a stack linebacker? Or is he a Parsons type where you can kind of move him around? Could be both. That'd be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Levis, you know, he he might be yeah, there at eight. right. Um, and I think that's the yeah. He's sort it's of a device to play. So but. the interesting thing there is, and that's the thing I did this week is I, we go every week and do the top ten and go on the needs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Houston is like the overwhelming favorite to be one at this point. And yeah, they're bad. Their <laughs> needs bad. is right. Their needs are everything. But it's not necessarily. They got yeah, picks, they right? do. They have two. They have um, another good one, too. I forget. It's the like Browns they're going to have they're going to have two top 10 picks, I think, or close to it. Yeah, yeah. So they're in a great spot. But point there is, is like they have Davis uh, Mills, who's not. Great, but he's not horrible. Like, and he's young, and he doesn't. He's not a disaster. He doesn't suck. Like, he's actually a pretty good young quarterback who you don't have to throw the bag in on yet. Like, they don't have to take Bryce Young. They could take Jalen Carter. They could take Will Anderson, and nobody would blink. Like, I think that that's yep. the point there. But as you go deeper down, like Carolina absolutely has to have a quarterback. They cannot go another year without drafting one. Um, you know, Vegas, I think, is in a situation if that thing continues to spiral, which it seems like it's absolutely going to continue to spiral. I can't imagine yeah. that McDaniels likes Derek Carr. Maybe he does, and we just <laughs> will be shocked. But, like, it's going to be cheap for them to get out of it, so that's another one. You know, there's teams yeah. up there that, you know, I wonder about. And it's like, I don't know how that's going to fall. So we thought back in 2021, or 2020, I guess it would have been, or 2021, you know, we all thought that Fields was going to be gone in the top two or three. And he wasn't. Yeah. What did he go, 12? So my point uh, is, was it later yeah, than that? 11, something like that? 11? So my point, I guess, is like a lot of it is going to depend on what's in front of you and who's there. But like, guys could slip. It's not impossible for, you know, you to it's be not. sitting there. And we, because so much of this has been, like, in my mind anyway, um, you know, Whatever they have to do. They're going to get to a point where they, they have to go all in on a quarterback. You take all your picks and you just trade for number one. And you say, I don't care. Take them all. I just want my guy. Like, that becomes a problem if you don't have your guy. If it's like, I like this guy. I don't love this guy. And maybe if that's Bryce Young for you or the Lions or whatever, and he starts to slip a little bit, and now all of a sudden you're sitting there at seven and you just need to find a way to move up to four, well, that's a totally different conversation. And so yeah. the opportunities or the situational whatever to play the board and to be in a position to be in position uh, is looking real good right now for Mr. Holmes and company uh, with a lot of stuff. Like, it, they could do a lot here to make a jump, it feels like. All yeah. that still feels like it's on the table here. Early, of course, but yeah. I, I think it was uh, Andy Isaac. Shout out Isaac. Uh, oh, yeah. He's uh, I think he had a tweet the other day, World of Isaac. He, I think he had a tweet the other day that was like, the Lions can do they can do whatever they want. They can trade up, they can trade down, they can do they have all these picks that will help them do what they want to do. Yeah. So let's just stop complaining about the record. Like let's stop getting they mad. They have them all, wins. right. They have and, all their picks. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. That is They'll a great way. Yes. Andy's the best. In the top seventy five. <laughs> and they can use them to move yeah. up or down or whatever they want. Right. And yeah. I think that was a I thought that was a great tweet. That is a really like, good way to say I it. I tweeted, I was like, I was like, louder, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to be a thing that people yeah. talk about here, especially if they keep winning. 100%. Um, That's a great way to say it because you have yeah. so many options or scenarios or things that could happen that you don't even have an account for yet. But the most important point is that you already have the assets that you need to do this. You already have what you need to sort of make this happen. There's a lot of things, a lot of different scenarios, and this is what you needed. This is what the Lions needed. They could not be in a situation with this draft where they had to have a gun to their head and say, you have to take this guy. No question. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to find a way. You have to uh, sacrifice other picks to do it. Whatever. No question. Do it. This is These are mistakes you've made in the past, and this is the way you correct it. That's yeah. the last place you want to be in a draft. And that was probably my biggest fear for them as they entered – sort of this area. It's like if they kept losing this year, if they're going to be like one in something, then, well, God, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. If they continue to, you know, scrap and fight and win a couple games and finish six or seven wins and have two picks in this range that we're talking about, 
This is exactly where you want to be. And so those are things that I think that's Andy's tweet was perfect because it's that's how you should look at the second half of the season or whatever we are. I guess we're in the second half of the season. How you should. Yeah. The the rest of the way, it's it's not irrelevant. Um, And obviously, like all things considered, sure, you'd like them to have the best picks possible. But like if they win some games, it's that's going to be it's all a net positive. Now, I think You, you don't have to be worried uh, or whatever, because they're going to get good players here. There's yeah. no reason for them not to. And I think that people like to nitpick at Brad Holmes's draft picks. We have enough evidence of him making good. We have more evidence of him making good picks already than we do bad. Yeah. Fair? I think that's mm-hmm. fair to say. We have. I think we have decisively more evidence of him making what we would consider to be on their way to be good picks than we do bad. I mean, Levi yeah. is probably the closest thing that we would say to a bad pick right now and. He's about it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right? So, yeah, I and think they're going to yeah. give Levi every chance to come back. Sure, and I don't know if we. Right? Can, and that's why I said Levi is the closest thing to what we would call a bad pick, and I, they probably aren't calling him a bad pick. So, you know, yeah. like that's a difference in the situation that we've had in years past here, where you look at the GMs and you say, "Well, oh, shit." I mean, they're going to have five picks in the top seventy-five. Well, who cares? They're going to screw them all up, you know. And it's like, well, you know, fair. This is not that. I don't think like. All of my criticisms of Brad Holmes are typically on the stuff that happens during the season or like in free agency or, uh, you know, quarterback stuff. Yeah. Like or like procedural crap that like GMs have to savvy that it just comes with age. He knows the draft. I believe in him as a guy who understands the draft. And let this man cook with these picks. (laughs) That's what you got to do. Let Brad Holmes cook with these picks. Well said. And when when he was. I think that's what he wanted to say to everybody when he um, was sort of forced to go talk that day after they after they traded Hawkinson. And I, you know, I all power to him yeah. for talking. Like I said, I I know he doesn't like doing it. Um, I don't blame him, and it's something that I'm sure he'll get better at in time. But like, I feel like that's what he wanted to yell that day. Let us just get to the draft. Damn it, we've got all we need. Let me just get there. I think we have what we need, and this will be a team that it, you know is is closer to where it needs to be. Or at where it needs to be next year after that draft. I just I think that yep. you look at everything that we've said and we've we've seen over the last few weeks and where they're at with these picks and it's like the TJ trade if you haven't already understood that like now you should because like that's another asset in there that is super valuable. Yep. Like they don't have to sit there and use that pick. They can come back in. You could get three first round picks in this thing if you want. And it wouldn't be that yep. hard. So like, you know what I mean? And so I think that that's the situation they're in. That's what people need to remember. And we're going to unpack that a lot more as you go forward, but it's different now. It's different to where you're not looking for guys to come in and save you. They're not going to ask anybody to come in and save them. They're going to try to hopefully ask somebody to come in and help push this thing over the wall uh, or at least closer to it. And I think that's, you know, that's the story that Colton wrote this week anyway. I don't know. You got anything else to add on the draftable side or, or the situation going forward here? Um, yeah. No, I think you nailed it. It's just, you know, seeing, you know, these young guys play well, then you can start to think about the draft and how you can supplement the roster with some of these picks and mm-hmm. keep adding. And and all of a sudden the picture becomes a little bit clearer. So, yeah, I know Lions fans don't like to be told to, to <laughs> remain patient, but if you can hold on a little bit longer, I think there's sort of right. We're sort of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with some of these players. And, and they're playing OK. And, so, hey, and they're playing OK. Could be worse. Field, so. <laughs> Exactly. It could and has been worse, we will say. And I think that's a good way to end it for this week. Maybe that's probably a good episode for or a good title for a podcast. It could and has been worse. Uh, But in any event, (laughs) that'll do it for this week. Thanks again uh, for listening to everybody who did. Thanks for subscribing, of course. Colton, are you going to New York this week? I will be there. Colton will be in the Big Apple or in the big New Jersey anyway, we'll say, (laughs) across the water. Uh, in the Meadowlands or whatever the hell it is these days for Lions-Giants which should be a very interesting game and of course next week we'll be here to break it all down so thanks again for Colton, I'm Nick talk to you guys later Mm -hmm.